Hey everybody, welcome back. Dave Whitley here on the Advancing Man Project show, uh, the podcast, and I have on uh, as my guest today, Tarrant Phelan, who I met as, um, he's a fellow moderator in a dad's group on Facebook that I am a part of. Um, we started having some conversations back and forth on in the group, then wound up having some private chats back and forth. I was fascinated by his stories, thought maybe he'd be good um, a good guest to come on, have a little conversation with him, so he agreed to do it, and here he is today. Um, happy to be talking to you, Tarrant. Um, you are a father of two kids, young kids, ages two and five, and you told me in the on the front end you're a big mental health advocate. Um, gave me a little bit of your backstory. You were born prematurely, and you actually died when you were born and were resurrected. Um, throughout that period of t- or, or the years that followed with that, you were diagnosed with mental disabilities. You spent some time in foster care, so a lot of a lot of um, things stacked up against you early on that you've managed to overcome. Um, And now you're a grown man, two kids. And since November of 2021, you've dropped 62 pounds, which is basically a backstreet boy. And (laughs) um, you're committed to living life to the fullest and helping other men, um, dads in particular, to um, break these cycles of, of bullshit that we've been programmed with and make the world a better place for dads and kids all the way around. So I appreciate, appreciate you being on the show. Um, Welcome. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, man. Yeah. So um, let's, uh, let's jump into some, some questions straight away. Um, You, uh, it's a pretty fascinating story that you have there and um, no one would fault you if you wound up just kind of sitting on the sidelines or, or just, you know, uh, being a leech on society for lack of a better way of saying it right. given, given all the the stuff that you came through with that but at some point you made a decision to not be that guy and turn into this guy um, right what what prompted you what was the what were the circumstances behind you saying you know what this is not who i really am i'm going to become who i really really am and not who they have told me that i'm going to be I'd say that um, the for biggest thing was uh, my determination. I have a very uh, like uh, you being into like strength and fitness and stuff too. You understand the concept of having having a lot of willpower for yourself, and if you don't have that, it's going to drain you completely. You you know. So I, I have a I have a, a massive amounts of willpower when I'm stacked. All odds are stacked against me, of course. But also, um, back in like 2016. My grandmother passed. Um, she was dealing with a lot of stuff. Um, she ended up having to get her leg taken off because of diabetes. Mm. She had open heart surgery, triple bypass, and then she also had cancer. And it just within a week, you know, but we were all visiting her and she met my girlfriend, who's my wife now. Um, she met her and already called her my, her granddaughter. She was more worried about her family than herself on her, you know, in hospice in her house. And it just made me realize that, like, I have this opportunity to change some things about myself and my life right now, because this woman is more worried about her own family than herself and her situation in her last moments. And I don't want to live my last moments when I'm in this situation, contemplating of all the bad choices that I could be making down the road. So I'm I'm like, I need to start improving my life right now. It starts here with me in this situation, in this moment. And I'm going to move from here and use this as a good example to improve myself and my life. So... So uh, to to that point, what are some of the the cycles that were programmed into you very young that 
that you've broken that you were determined like if this ends with me this will not be passed on right. to my kids <laughs> um talk a little bit about that because it seems to me there could be a lot of stuff there yeah the energy like because we uh you, I already could tell because if even though um, you're into the train too, I have a lot of energy as well when it comes to not just things we care about, but when it comes to things we do on a daily basis. And the the thing that I recognized was that I always got punished for having too much energy and being too excited and too happy about life. And that's that's a weird. But we with kids, we make mistakes with that energy. It's not able to be focused, you know, as like we can with adults. So the problem with that was now. I'm recognizing my kids have that energy too, right? So we have music, we have sports, we have many things that I can get my kids connected with instead of punishing them. Like I was punished back then, you know, for having an abundance of it and using it in a different manner. It's just about finding something that they can relate with and focus on, you know, them doing well with that within that realm of it. So, and using the energy that they have for it. So, yeah, and that's what I've been working on. I think that that's something that that we run into a lot, especially with dads. Um, we see it a lot in the in the dads group that we're in. Um, kids being kids, right. don't, they they don't have the the reasoning and logical capacity, nor do they have the the ability, like l- the literal physical tools that they need in their brain right. and nervous system to not be energetic and run all over the place. We're wired right. that way. We're made that way. And so True. for me, I think that the idea of expecting a kid who's three or four years old to sit still and be quiet is a lot like expecting a kid who's four months old to get up and run. You know, it's right. just, it's developmentally inappropriate, but because right. it's not so obviously physical, um, I think that a lot of us are brought up with the um, the be seen and not heard and, and all of that yep. sort of stuff. Um, so I, I commend you for doing that. And I think that it takes a certain level of of understanding, brain development, right. of course, but also a certain level of creativity on the part of us as parents to to look at right. at okay, my my son's five. And okay, what it what is age appropriate for five? Like we were outside earlier today playing in his playhouse with his monkey bars and stuff. And we had like this 20 foot dog leash that we have. And he was coming up with all these different things that he could do with it. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm an electricity guy working on the power lines or, or, right. or uh, I'm going to make this thing. And, and then he like twisted it around some stuff. And, and I had no idea what he was doing. He's like, okay, that's the bell ringer for the train. And I'm going to go over here and you <laughs> ring the bell and the trains. And so, so just to allow him to do that sort of stuff when he's playing, is a lot of fun and to just let it be, right. you know, kid guided like that. But I think that the the problem we run into a lot of times is allowing them to just let their imagination run because right. when their imagination runs, their body tends to follow along with it. And so you mentioned earlier music and sports and things like that. Tell me a little bit about how you help your kids to focus and direct that, that beautiful child energy into things that are enhancing their development rather than shutting them down and trying to mold them into something that they're not meant to be. Right. Yeah. So um, a lot of the things that I've recognized when they say your children are exactly how you were when you were younger, but amplified, they're Mm -hmm. not kidding. As we know, (laughs) we know that. So uh, I noticed that they possess an immense amount of energy like I did as a kid, except now I'm able to use what I had growing up because I remember all these things that I had that I worked on by myself because my parents didn't really care about that. So I'm using those things like music uh, for cleaning up their 
Boys and Chores, they have a song that they listen to. I'm not even kidding you. That they they work well with. Uh, it's a cleanup song. It's like an R&B style song. And they, every time it's on, they, they pops in their brain. They're like, oh, this is the cleanup song. We know what to do here. And my daughter takes the lead because she's older, you know, and then my son follows suit now. Um, he starts off not wanting to clean, but then eventually he picks stuff up because she talks him into it a little bit. As kids do, when you have a sibling with another one, it's really good that way. Um, another one I do with the sports aspect is um, he's a very observant he observes a lot of things too. And so does my daughter. And I've noticed for her, she's into more puzzles in like the music aspect of things. He's the sports because he watches videos that involve sports. So he's kicking a ball around the living room. Like he has a, this ball that he kicks and he hit it on his head a couple of times, like I told you for soccer. And instead of me getting mad because he's throwing a ball all over the house, I'm watching him having control in the house on the carpet with soccer ball. And I'm appalled and shocked and happy and impressed. And I'm proud of my son, but because I'm not thinking of, oh, he's gonna destroy stuff, I need to stop it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm thinking this kid is amazing. You know, like, I'm, you know what I mean? Like that energy that you can have for your child to be proud of what they're doing on that able ability to focus on what they're doing. And he's only two and a half and mm -hmm. do all the things that he's doing. Like I'm, I even sent the video clip to, a, cause I do, I do these things to where, I, I want to see people's reactions with things too. I sent this, this a video clips of him doing that to a fr friends of mine and these other guys. And they said, oh, you're lucky you didn't break your TV, your system, this, that, you didn't break anything. And I'm saying, you guys are missing the point. Exactly. You guys don't see the beauty in this. Like this mm -hmm. kid has developed so well with his endless potential. And I guess that's just, you know, my way of seeing what he's capable of. So same with my daughter. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very easy for us to get caught up in the in the grown up side of things and not not just be in that 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 joy of the moment, you know. Um, right. And and we were talking a little before I hit record on this about how if we as dads are open to paying attention to it, we can learn more about life from our children, especially when they're young like ours are, than. Right then we're ever going to be able to teach them. And right. um, I, 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 when my son was born, um, I was talking to a, a friend of mine who's into meditation and, and various esoteric metaphysical woo-woo things like that, which I can go down that rabbit hole and be very <laughs> comfortable talking about that sort of stuff. And, and we were just talking, I was talking to him about how grateful I was that, to to be in this position and he's like well not only that but have you considered that you have the greatest spiritual master of your life sitting right there in front of you right now if right. you just learn how to pay attention to it and i'm like i hadn't thought of it in those terms and and so uh, being able to to do that and when i catch myself getting caught up in the the grown-up thinking of of well you know it's time for us to go do that or you know right don't, don't i don't want that thing to get broken or whatever right. to be able to to straddle that line because those are important things true you know, uh, grown-up life has to happen that way but also not to lose the the connection of being in the moment with him when he's doing that right. sort of stuff is just such a gift and it sounds like you have a very, very similar day-to-day um, -day moment like that, too. I'm, I'm really fond of saying that um, fatherhood is the single biggest personal development journey that none of us knew we were signing up for. True. 
Yeah, it is. And, it definitely and, is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so to that point, um, what is your uh, fundamental principles of being a dad? Uh, man, there's, there's a lot of them, but I'll, I'll just <clears throat> like do the, the most important ones for sure. Um, I think one of the biggest ones for me is, um, picking up when like, cause ha especially with having two, two kids, especially with, um, you know, having, having a daughter and a son and all of this in general, it's, um, picking up on things when there's going to be arguments breaking out. That's a big one like knowing when things are about to get a little out of hand and kind of putting a, a pause on it before it escalates too much. Mm -hmm. Kind of like how his dad's in particular or us as adults, we, with tackling obstacles, you know, it's the same thing, like tackling them before they get too, too far. So it's kind of the principle that I use with my kids is like, if, if they're going to start an argument, neither of them get to play with that toy because even if one's, you know, in instigating or engaging in that it's teaching the other one bad habits as well that they can turn around when they're older and re and engage that because it knows it makes her angry so it's like picking up on small pieces of like all of that is a is a whole principle overall that's the biggest one for me that i noticed um i think the other biggest one for sure is that um just kind of when when they're going through things and they're frustrated is a lot of the things that I like to do is I like to have conversations with them. Like I, I sit down on the couch and say, come here. I want to talk to you for a minute. They don't like it, obviously, because <laughs> it's it annoys them that their parents just wants to sit with them and talk. But eventually, you know, um, they'll, they'll, they'll pay attention. They'll understand. Mm -hmm. Even if they're looking all around, they hear you. They know, they know what's going on. Right. So it's just implanting those thoughts of and ideas into their heads you know, early on, obviously, rather than, you know, down the road when they're going to get their own thoughts there, because they eventually will help them transition into better people themselves down the road. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things that happens and it happens pretty frequently is something will be going on and uh, something that is very important to me that, that I've or to, to my wife and myself that we've wanted to make sure that we're instilling into our son. And, and, you know, you do that through repetition and very often yeah. it seems like we've done this thing or we've said this thing, or we've attempted to model this thing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. And you don't know if it's, if it's catching on or not. Right. <laughs> right. But then something will happen. A situation will emerge and he will come back and, and, and speak to me or, or say to me or call me out on something, right. That, right. that I have deliberately been attempting to program into him. Like uh, literally <laughs> just, just earlier today, um, um, something was going on. He was, um, he, he was like coming in the house with his, with his shoes on. And we had been out in the part of the yard where the dog goes and like, we don't wear shoes in the house at my house because you know, right. we have a dog and you know, Same. that's where the dog goes and does his stuff. And he started to come in and I was like, stop, 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 take your shoes off first. And, um, apparently the tone of my voice when I said that wasn't like it normally is with him. And it makes sense. There's a lot of other stuff going on today. Right. Too that's been on my mind. And he says, daddy, you weren't very kind when you said that just now. My daughter's used that with me too. And, <laughs> and, and I was a little bit surprised. Right. And it's not the first time he said something like that, but I was a little bit surprised that, that whatever the other stuff that I was thinking about had kind of bled through into the way that I was speaking to him and he right. called me out on it. And I'm like, okay, exactly why? 
Like, like, tell me about this. Tell me what it was. And he said, well, the way you said, no, 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 stop. It was just not very kind. And I'm like, okay, it was urgent and it was important. And I was a little aggressive in the way I said it, you know, and, and I totally get that. I said, well, I'm sorry. You're right, buddy. I, I should be a little more kind when I say stuff like that. Right. You know, and, and that sort of stuff happens pretty frequently, you know, like, uh, um, the other day he was doing something and it was, um, I forgot what it was, but I wanted to, I wanted to grab a quick video of it and catch him while he's doing it. So I pulled my phone out and hit video on it and he's played, for, he's doing whatever. And he looks up and he says, Hey, stop it. And I said, what is it? He said, you didn't ask me. You should ask me before you shoot, before you do a video. And I'm like, he's not wrong. <laughs> right. No, he's not wrong. So it's really cool to see him at the age that he's at to be coming into that level of autonomy. And right. also being willing to turn around and say it back to me and say it back to my wife, because ultimately right. what that's telling me is that he trusts me right? and the boundaries that we're setting up for him within himself, he trusts me and my wife enough to, um, to call us out on that if we're you know right. in, encroaching upon those boundaries what sort of situations do you have that that <laughs> have played out like that because i think these things are fascinating when they one's, when they do this one's playing back in my head in particular <laughs> uh whenever we tell our kids because especially younger kids they have a tendency to choke on food when they're talking with their mouth full so we have this thing with my daughter that we tell her not to talk with food in her mouth and if, every once in a while she'll catch us with like food in our mouths and we're talking to each other my wife and i because we just have something we really need to say right and she's like seriously daddy no food no talking with your mouth with her finger up and i'm like all right miss thing calm down like you know like i get it i get it you caught me you got me so it's just um it, it's good because she's developed it herself and she knows what to do now it, sometimes she'll try to talk and she'll have food in her mouth she'll go, hum, 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 hum. And, you know, just yeah. like i don't know what you're saying and then she's just um it, it's really funny and then another one is the when because because right now we have this issue to where we did get a newer couch we didn't get anything like you know wrapped on it or anything and we we try to tell them like they they can have food whatever the case is but stuff that's going to be messy we don't want that on the couch at all so we're we're trying to make it to where like they they know there's a place to eat they can eat on the floor right in front of it obviously you know anywhere else but if they get on there with something that's going to spill easily that we can't get out like it's ruined so she always tells us even uh, it, when we have popcorn or something and there's like no food on the couch and then my wife would look at me as well with my daughter and she's like yeah daddy no food on the couch and I'm like what I can't win so yeah, I mean I love it though because it's like it's still a good habit to develop overall, obviously, so that, you know, it's if you have a budget or anything like that in general with furniture and you can't really afford to, like, spend a bunch of money in cleaning supplies right. to get stuff right. out. So, I mean, it, it's she's she developed with all of that, honestly. And my son's thing, what used to be he used to have a bad habit of hitting and biting is really bad for that. Um, eventually I caught on to it more right before he's going to do it. Cause his was getting so excited that he would, you know, just like not mechanically respond, but, um, without thinking, just do whatever. Cause that's right. so, when you're that young, you just do whatever you want. You do though, no ramification. Um, so what I've done was before I see him get that much energy and go towards his sister in the past, I would stop him right there. I would turn to me. I say, I say, relax, buddy. It's going to be okay. 
calm down a little bit, and then you can go have fun again. And then I sent him on his way again. So now he's developed this thing to where he's going to play with her, but then he stops for a minute, he breathes a little bit, and then he gets back to playing again before he gets way too overworked. Yeah. So it's, it's just, I mean, he has a lot of energy still, and but he's he's finally out of the biting. He's out of the hair pulling and all that crazy stuff that he used to do. So yeah, yeah, that that made me think. I wasn't I wasn't planning to tell this story, but you saying that made me think of this. Um, <laughs> last week something was going on. I was working on something online, and um, it was having to do with setting up some tech stuff, which I'm not super great at with like some stuff that I do for my my coaching business and and right. products that I'm making and stuff. And I was having some difficulty doing some stuff involved inside of that. And I don't even remember what it was exactly right now. Um, but it's one of those things where I like start working on it and I'm like, okay, I got to go Google how to do this, find out how to do it and then go do it step-by-step step as I'm watching the video. And then once I'm done, right. I kind of forget how to do it because, because that's not what I'm interested in doing. I'm doing it out right. of necessity. Right. <laughs> but whatever was going on, I wasn't, I wasn't solving the the problem the way I wanted to, or as quickly as I wanted to. And um, I kind of grunted and let out this big breath. I was ah, like that. And he said, why'd you do that? And Or why'd you make that sound? And I said, well, um, I'm feeling frustrated right now because it's, it, it, it's very important to me that he be able to experience whatever emotion he's experiencing. Right. And yep. so that means that I need to tell the truth about those sorts of things, you know, that, right. that, cause it would be just, it'd be very easy to be like, Oh, nothing's wrong. I'm, I'm fine. Right. Yep. Or it would be very easy to be go to to take it to the other extreme. Says, well, this stupid computer, blah, 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 blah. Like blame <laughs> yeah. the computer, right? right? Yeah. Um, neither one of those things is helpful in right. for him. So what I did is I said, Well, I'm frustrated right now, kid, because I'm trying to figure out how to do this thing and I'm not quite able, I'm not there yet. I haven't figured it out yet. And he says, says, you know what I do when I get frustrated? I do calm down breath. You want me to show you? <laughs> And he starts breathing deep and he says, you can do it with me. It might help. And I breathe a couple of times with him. And he's like, see, you feel better. And I said, you're right, but thank you. And I'm so, so like for him to, to turn around and utilize something that I've used with him. Right. To help me is a, just such a beautiful feeling. So yeah, I love it. Right. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to shift gears a little bit here. Um, we talked a little bit about your experience, um, from birth on up. Um, how right. did that experience growing up in those circumstances, um, affect your mental health? Cause you know, we, we've talked before your, your, your primary thing is you're advocating mental health for men and dads right. and, and all of that. How did that experience affect you growing up and, and specifically how you, how you approach being a dad now? Yeah. Uh, so at the beginning, um, I, I, when I was younger growing up, I still kind of, you know, at home life was way different than my public life. I still made a lot of friends. I went out in public, did all those things as a kid. But as soon as I went back home, I was treated like I had severe mental disabilities. Just, you know, um, a lot of it obviously was for financial gain from my, my parents. It's obvious. Um, so, you know, I, um, I still was able to have a little bit of normal normalcy with life. However, there was still issues. Like I said, when I got home, I was locked in basements. There was a lot of really crazy things that shouldn't have been allowed. That was obviously in the nineties, especially, you know, uh, it, a lot of things happened obviously then that's illegal today, you know, mm -hmm. so that we know of. So, <laughs> so, um, it's just, uh, to, and then, you know, it's tra transitioning into an adult, obviously, um, 
I just I ended up being forced into, you know, the adult foster care program um, for four and a half years. And again, like I still never had this mentality that or stopped having the mentality that I deserve to be treated like a normal human being. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing. I deserve better than what I'm given right now, the hand that I'm dealt. I don't belong in this place right here because I I know what I'm capable of doing. I know what my possibilities are, and I still have faith in myself for what I'm capable of. So I think that's what it was, is just not giving up on myself was a big part of it. Um, And then finding people, particularly within that as well, that would instill a little bit of extra added hope into me as well. Uh, That's a big part of it, too, was finding others that were in my life that I didn't want to give up myself. So I asked for help mm-hmm. and I said, Hey, like for instance, my, um, my mental health community, mental health man, a case manager, he's the one that rec found helped me find a way to get myself reevaluated to get out of that system. He's ex Navy. Like he could have just said, screw it. Like, I don't want to deal with you. I don't want to get involved with this. Like, but he's like, I'm going to help you. Like you reached out to me. I know you're smart. I know you're capable. I'm going to help you get through all of this part right here. He helped me and then ended up, he ended up retiring. I even got a lawyer who ended up helping me for free, thankfully, to remove my PE and guardian from the state for all of that. So it's like finding people in your corner that will help build you up instead mm-hmm. of like tearing you down and degrading you as a human being or individual. And I think that's a lot of the, what people do is sometimes we cling on to um, the people that are have negative mindsets a lot. And that's a part of it as well. Or we're constantly involved in a negative environment that we end up adapting those those personality traits and a lot of their mentalities and mindsets too when it comes to that negative aspect rather than what our thoughts actually want to be. And then being surrounded by positive people all the time, you know, and stuff like that. So I just, I just chose to, you know, remain positive and be around positive people. I did make mistakes. We all have, but that's part of our growth is to where we are now sure. and how much we've learned over that time frame. So I think that's the biggest part right there is recognizing what mistakes we have made and in learning and adapting and evolving from those. So yeah. how do you think, um, societal expectations around that sort of stuff affect men's willingness to address mental health issues, especially when it comes to like, you know, seeking support or asking for help or looking for, right. for um, um, positive energy people to be around that way. I think people feel like they have to, they're stepping on eggshells all the time. <laughs> to be honest with you, the big one, uh, you know, a lot of like, cause in the world today, one of the biggest things, and I've noticed this in the past two years of being in the digital environment myself is there's a lot of people that are there are are only there for people as an advantageous thing for themselves. That's it. it it's real. And we, we have this mentality of like, you know, I expect people to always come to me first, you know, type of thing. A lot of others do not. There's some of us that will go to people and say, Hey, you know, I admire what you're doing. Keep it up, keep up the work, you know, and, and that's what the real leaders are about. You know, in not a lot of people are able to separate the, the, the false idols, so to speak, you know what I mean? Compared to the ones that really do care about others mm-hmm. and they want to be involved and, and make sure that these people are doing okay for themselves and to better them, them their own health and just, you know, become better examples of who they want to be down the road. So they get trapped and caught up in this bad environment and the people that are, you know, saying that one saying one thing, but not living up to it with actions. And that's where that's where it gets mis- misconstrued right there. And that sets people like us up for, you know, the people that actually want to help is a bad repetition and reputation because 
those people are like, well, nobody's real. So, right. you know, it's just, it's what it is at the end of the day. And there are a lot of us out there that really genuinely do care. It just takes the the time of getting to know somebody more and finding those right people that really do want to have conversations with you and lift you up and build you up and help you become a better person than you were before. So. It's interesting. As you're talking about that, I'm, I'm realizing that there's a lot of, of a lot of this that I see on social media, um, uh, you're coming from a place where you were diagnosed with various mental health issues and right. you're like, no, no, that's, I don't accept that. That's not how I'm going to allow myself to be defined by you. And that's not how I'm going to define myself. Right. And, and so you, you take complete extreme ownership and accountability of that. And you're obviously a positive guy. You're obviously um, moving forward for yourself. And, and part of that is helping other people. Um, I think right. the flip side of that, which we see much more often is people will self-diagnose themselves with something <laughs> and then say, well, that's just how I am because I, I, you know, I, I yeah. read a couple of pages on Google about, you know, ADHD or whatever. And well, that's who I am. And, and so they will, uh, without even having a, a legitimate diagnosis, they will decide that that's who they're going to be. And then um, it becomes a very convenient scapegoat. Well, I, it's not my fault. I have this issue, but you know, right. you weren't ever actually even diagnosed with that. Right. right. Um, and so it's, it's the, it's refreshing to talk to someone um, who is as exuberant and passionate about it as you are, that, that is literally the opposite of that. You know, so right. I, I'm, you don't get to define me. Right. Um, so I think that that's pretty cool. Um, um, so you've got kids, you've got this yes. background, you've got, um, you've, you've redefined yourself the way we we're just talking about. How do you, and, and you may not have done this yet because your kids are quite young, but how do you right. approach it or how do you plan to approach um, discussing your background with your kids and in a broader picture, just like um, mental health and emotional well-being in general with your right. kids, considering your own experiences, how's, how's that uh, factor into your plan? I think one of the biggest things is to, to, to get them to kind of acknowledge the fact that not everybody is going to be, think the same way that everyone else does first and foremost, right? We're all going to have our own opinions on things. We're all going to think differently about things. And your objective is to not make everybody like us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's the big, the first step right there is to make sure that we know that not everyone in the world is going to like who we are. Um, you know, it's just, it's just how it is. If we have a lot of positive positivity and a lot of good energy and a lot of good things that we do, a lot of people that are constantly surrounded by negativity and their negative mindsets, they're not going to like what we're bringing to the table because they just want to provide, you know, a lot of negativity in the world. And we're over yeah. here doing the opposite. So it's that's the one thing that I'm going to make them aware of first and foremost is there there's going to be a lot of the world is full of like, you know, bad and dangerous things. We already know this, obviously. But at, at, the, at the end of the day, like what it comes to is what they value for themselves and what they value for what they want to become down the road. They get to decide their paths. They get to decide their fates. If they want to go into something, try it, get introduced to new things, learn new things, you know, try things out, you know, experiment, experience. Like that's what life is meant to be about is experiences. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 
I, I never thought in a million years that I would be doing this with you. And I'm here I am, you know, like, yeah. I mean, honest, it's about taking opportunities and learning from things as you get older and growing from them as well. And I think that I was fortunate enough myself to be able to learn all of this at a younger age because of what I was forced into. And for me, thankfully, like I was able to turn that into a positive because not everybody can. There's not everybody really can do that and come out the way that it's happened for me, thankfully. But, you know, at the end of the day, like I get to use that as example of what I did come out of. Things that we can we can all do to kind of use as a, a means to grow and learn still and redevelop ourselves. So, and it's not the end. If we're going through something, it's not the end. That's a big one. Like we, it's just a bad chapter. Mm -hmm. It's a bad sentence in our story. I always like the metaphor of like our, our lives being like our own books, our own storybooks. You know, we have the opportunity to change what the impact or the effect is of our whole story. You know, if we are, if we use things, um, use tools and, and guidance and just, you know, kind of learn from the examples that we even make at our own fault sometimes too, down that path. So. And yeah, that's kind of my method for that, that I think I'm going to teach with them is like that. Yeah. Um, you touched on this a little bit, but like what other lessons have you learned from uh, about, you know, resilience and personal growth and, and, and all of that from the, from your life, from the story that you have? I think one of the biggest ones is not everybody is going to be in my corner. <laughs> it's a big one, obviously. Um, and it's okay. And I also, it's also to know where to separate myself from specific people, the timing of things like from negativity and, you know, people that, and also when to, you know, like, like as, as us being, you know, leaders in, in, environments so that's that's a big one too is not just separating ourselves but removing others as well so it's like just knowing the timing of things that's appropriate for the actions we need to take mm -hmm. and it's just doing something you know making that action making a choice to make the action and just following with it so and i think that's the big one right there is um it's like practicing what i'm preaching you know so to speak yeah. too so yeah. how can we how can we um challenge that stigma around men's mental health issues because you know so many of us are are programmed with the from the whole boys don't cry sort of thing you know that right that, that it's uh it, it, any unpleasant emotion is not allowed to be expressed unless it's angry because right. because that doesn't feel vulnerable you know if i'm being angry right. and i'm projecting it outwards uh, but but so many of the of the guys that we see um, if they're sad or if they're grieving or if they're disappointed or if they're something doesn't go their way, it winds up the their stock response is being angry. How would you how would you help guide someone around that? I would th say like just <clears throat> biggest thing is observation, right? That they always talk about that myself. And it's it's kind of like replaying the words back in your head of what are said typically, because we know one of the biggest things that has an influence is someone's words it's huge like words are very powerful we all know this a lot of people say that it's not but it is And it words force people into certain specific things like if they're gonna if they're gonna be you know it can, words can lead into violence it can lead into you know compassion love you know everything there's 
everything that you know words can do with, with all of it. But I think that the biggest thing is analyzing those words and playing them back in your own head a little bit and then starting to like break it down a little bit. Because with guys, what I've noticed is we take things exactly how it's said. <laughs> it's the yeah. truth. My wife says something to me, I'm going to take it that way. Like, like one of the examples I'm going to use is Back when I did weigh a lot, right, she called me big boy all the time or big daddy, big this, big that. And I was self-conscious because I let myself go. I knew. I knew that I gained a lot of weight. I let it go. And she was calling me out on my bull crap. And I was just didn't like it. So, you know, that's when I was like, I looked at myself as well. And I'm like, okay, why is she telling me this? Well, first off, it's because I made these bad choices to let myself go because of these surgeries that I had. And I started heavily drinking every day. It was bad. It was a mess. I'm being honest. And then I that's when two and a half years ago, I made that choice to be like, I'm changing this right now. And then eventually, you know, she still called me that as a joke here and there, but I didn't take it as bad as I used mm -hmm. to. And I figured out why. It's because I was mad at myself for what I became. So it's like we gotta understand like why we're why we're in those moods and moments too of and we have to know ourselves. That's the first and foremost thing. We have to know ourselves internally and what we're actually angry about or what we're getting frustrated about. So I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, for sure. Talk a little bit about the uh, uh, what made you make that choice to to take control of your life, take control of your health, um, drop those 62 pounds and the mental fortitude that goes into doing something like that. Because you tell people you lost 60 pounds and a lot of times people are like that. There's no way I could ever do that. You know? Right. I think that um, the biggest thing for, for me particularly was that I, I was just tired of, you know, feeling so sorry for myself of, you know, because I was also abused as a kid in which resulted in these surgeries, as you know, as an adult. And I was just tired of feeling so sorry for what I was incapable of doing after these surgeries. And so what I did was I was like, hey, so what if I can't lift a certain amount of weight with my hands? I have good legs. Mm -hmm. I have a voice. You know, I have I have a good heart. I have two beautiful children that sit. It's like thinking of all the things that are good around me instead of the one thing that's like bad and focusing on it. And, you know, I've, I've come to the realization of learning about silver linings more and, you know, understanding that if I'm, I'm not weak in an area, but if I can, if I'm impacted in one area of myself, what can I do around that area to make things better for myself down the road? Instead of focusing on the bad parts of something, I'm able to use and focus on the leg strength. Like right now, I go for a walk 1.4 miles, three days a week to get my daughter from school with 40 pounds of weight on my back. Like, you know, and I, I'll have great stamina down the road. I'll have great lung capacity. Like it, it does a lot for me and it will do a lot. So mm -hmm. instead of just, you know, what I'm dealing with now with the hands that I can't type, I can't, you know, lift like anything over eight pounds. Like I still have things that I can do and I'm capable of doing. It's just finding, you know, things within that realm that I, that I'm good with. So. Um exactly what sort of surgery did you have to have because you've you've told me privately but but um right and we referenced it referenced it a few times but <laughs> some people are going to be listening to this going like what the hell is he talking about so uh yeah sorry yeah so i had um uh they did a, a complete metacarpectomy which is they took the whole middle row middle row of bones out of my hand because they had arthritis and they were corroding 
And then after that didn't work a year later or two years later, they ended up doing a full bone wrist fusion, which means the last five bones in my hand, they fuse together and I have a metal rod and there were seven screws for the rest of my life. It's never going to go away. And then the other hand, I had another surgery on that back in November of last year, and they ended up doing a carpal tunnel surgery, but they also put a pin in between two of my bones in that wrist as well to hold them in place. So they didn't do the, the arthritic, like 90 degree turns that the, this hand did. So mm. it's, um, it, it's a heavy impact thing. It, it obviously has its moments to where it still hurts. You know, it, the, the stuff that I'm doing, I was used to do, I'm not able to do now because I used to be a bouncer at bars. And mm -hmm. I used to love that line of work. I love lifting a lot, but I could still lift with my legs and my back and I'm fine with that. And it's just, um, it's, I think that now I'm able to finally like not strain myself as much as I used to was able, was doing with my hands. And I'm able to still like hold my kids a little bit and then just take a break and they get it. So right. I think that's what, that's the biggest thing for all of that, for the surgeries. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you being on. Um, this is the point where I like to go into rapid fire questions, if that's cool okay. with you. So I'll yeah. just I'll I'll throw a question out and um you uh just answer with whatever comes to mind and we'll move on to the next one, okay? Okay. What is a useless talent that you have? Oh man. <laughs> I can click my tongue. <laughs> um that, that, I mean I <laughs> yeah. What is a um a personal mantra or belief that you definitely want to pass on to your kids? That if they're willing to work hard enough for something, it's possible. That's that's a big one right there. Very good. Um, most valuable piece of advice you've ever received. Oh man. Um, coach, a coach for football. Um, he always came in for the fitness thing and it was just a one sentence he always said every day we had the fitness thing in high school and he always used the term the phrase today is a good day to get better and mm. i always it still plays back in my head to this day from 2005 <laughs> when i started high school and uh he, he it's it's a it's the it's the best phrase i've ever heard in my life honestly so i like that that is a good one i'm gonna steal that for sure um, <laughs> thanks coach <laughs> um <laughs> What's your favorite holiday? Oh, man. I'd say Thanksgiving. Yeah, mm. definitely. Um, what's your favorite music to listen to? It's a vast variety. It's a lot of things, honestly. I think that it depends on what I would be in the mood for in the moments or if I'm gaming, if I'm going for a walk. You know, it's a lot of things. I even listen to stuff like old old rock, like, you know, Def Leppard, Rob Zombie, you know, I, I really like I'm being honest, like I grew up in, in an environment, a neighborhood that had everything. Mm -hmm. So it's just it's uh, that's the one thing I'm happy about. The generational thing is yeah. the music it never left me, man. <laughs> I love that. I've got a guy on the show who's talking about old rock and it's stuff that came out when I was in my, you know, teens and 20s. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so that's great. Um, to, to that point, um, David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar? Oh, I'd say Sammy. I would mm. say Sammy. Yeah. 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 I like I like Sammy a lot. They're they're both unique in their own ways, obviously, but sure. I really think that um there's there's specific styles that that you know they each possess differently, uniquely, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. I almost always if 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 anyone asks me that question, I always say Eddie. 
because <laughs> that's me right um if you could only eat one thing for the rest of your life what would it be oh man tacos i don't know why i just i'm obsessed with them well they're yeah, delicious are, that's why yeah tacos are just way <laughs> too good they are delicious um and lastly what is a cherished family tradition either that you inherited from your family okay. or that you've created for your you, you know your family with your kids that okay. you want to pass on I, this is a good one. I love this too. So um, my wife and I do this with our kids now, and we have done it since my daughter or since right before my daughter, we go to this Christmas store called Bronner's here in Michigan. Mm -hmm. And we go, we always get an ornament that we have as a family and, and we get a separate ornament for the kids, eat one ornament for each kid that they pick out themselves individually that has the year and their name on it. Mm. And I think that's amazing because it just shows their characters, their char their characteristics and personality developing. Because my daughter picked out a princess one last year. And the year before that, she picked out like ballerina shoes. And it's stuff that she likes. You could see her liking these things down the road, you know. So in my son's like dinosaurs and rawr and, you know, it's, it's basically tractors. And his grandpa's a lieutenant for a fire department. So we picked out a fire truck this year. So it's like it's cool things like that, that um you can see flow into their their characteristics so yeah that is really cool i like that one <laughs> well tarrant we're going to wrap it up now i appreciate you being on the show um if anybody wants to find you online where can you be found uh it's there's two i'm on tiktok and twitch it's twitch.tv forward slash godly axis it's g-o-d-l-y-a-x-i-s same with tiktok um they're both they're both those accounts um, the name itself obviously has nothing to do in biblical terms. It's it's more or less the lines of uh, something I created to be like we all can make a change in the world. We just have to hold the world up together as a community. So that's kind of my terminology on it. <laughs> awesome. Well, again, thanks for being on. And I look forward to uh, seeing you in the dad's group. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. That's all we got for today. Dave Whitley, Advancing Man Project. We'll see you next time.